A Brother's Love by Lisa Fitterman. Burnt beyond recognition, Franck's only hope was his twin brother. The patient lies in an induced coma in the Burns unit at St. Louis Hospital in Paris, his body charred, blistered and swollen. Now, after 72 hours of trying to save what skin remains, Professor Maurice Mimoun reviews the young man's chart as he prepares to speak to family members. Franck Dufourmontel, the plastic surgeon, reads, Birth date, December 28, 1983, age 32. Injured in a chemical explosion at his workplace. Profound burns everywhere, but his feet and part of his pelvis. As head of a unit that deals with some of the most extreme burn cases in France, Dr. Mamoun easily fills in the rest. A human torch within seconds. In theory, he was dead before he arrived here by helicopter. With a sigh, he enters the waiting room. Franck suffered burns to over 95% of his body and has very little skin left. Nothing to protect him from a bacterial infection and going into shock, he says. We are doing all we can, but... The message is clear. Franck's girlfriend, Clementine Etrelard, a schoolteacher, starts to cry. But his brother Eric refuses to give up. Franck can't die, he says fiercely. You can't let him. He's my twin. Dr. Mamoun pauses, surprised. Your twins, he asks, staring at the bearded, heavily tattooed and muscular man standing before him with fists clenched. Identical twins? From the same egg? As identical as they come, Eric replies. Franck is so swollen I would never have known, Dr. Mamoun says. There is a ray of light. With identical twins, there is the possibility of a skin transplant. Would you be willing? If it will give Franck a chance, absolutely, Eric replied. They were always inseparable. Franck and Eric, Eric and Franck, rarely one without the other and impossible to tell apart. Brown hair and eyes, they finished each other's sentences and had an uncanny sense of what the other was feeling. Throughout their childhood, through college and into their adult years, they had the same friends, the same love of martial arts, of loud hip-hop, rock and tattoos. It was who they were, best friends and soulmates. Yet on the afternoon of September 27, 2016, Eric, the elder by 10 minutes, has no inkling anything is wrong when his mobile phone rings. He pulls it out during his shift at a pharmaceutical company in Amiens. His brother's girlfriend Clem is on the line, waiting and incoherent. It's Franck, she manages to blurt out. There's been a chemical explosion. Eric, it's bad. Clem has already alerted Eric's partner, Fonny Robert, mother of their eight-month-old son Jules. Fonny drives them to the rubber plant where Franck lives and works in Moray, 30 kilometres to the south of Amiens. They are in time only to see a helicopter with Franck in it take off for Paris and St. Louis Hospital, 138 kilometres away. Let's go, Eric says. He has to be there when Franck wakes up. If he wakes up. In his office, Dr. Mimoun, tall and thin with a cloud of dark hair and rimless glasses, sits at his desk as he explains to Eric that for burns, the best grafts come from the patient's own unburnt skin, ideally from parts of the body that are not normally seen, such as the buttocks, upper thighs and scalp. A graft from another donor would usually make sense only if surgeons needed it to tide them over while they harvested healthy skin from Franck, if he had any. But your skin is Franck's skin, the surgeon says. 
The two of you share DNA, the same cells. It would be the largest skin transplant ever between twins in a Burns case, but there's a chance Franck could survive. Eric is ready to do it on the spot, and Clem and Forney support his decision. But first, the hospital must satisfy itself that he understands what awaits him. The questions come fast and furious. Are you prepared for the pain surgery and recovery will involve? Do you realise you will be in hospital for at least six weeks and there will be months of rehab? Do you understand that even if you do this, your brother may not survive? To all but one, Eric has the same unwavering answer. It doesn't matter. In response to the last question, he says simply, I want to give him a chance. It is late Friday night and the beginning of the weekend, and Eric just wants to get it over with. But because he would be a living organ donor, France's Bureau of Biomedical Affairs must approve the procedure. For some unknown reason, it is open and gives its approval without delay. You are our first miracle, and the Bureau's approval is our second, a jubilant Dr. Mamoun tells Eric. Now let's get you ready. On Sunday, October 2, 2016, six days after the explosion, Eric's scalp is shaved and a section of his right thigh is carefully highlighted. On Monday morning, the brothers are wheeled into adjoining operating rooms, Franck still clinging to life in a medically induced coma, unaware of what his twin is about to do for him. Until the anaesthesia puts Eric to sleep, he keeps repeating like a mantra, You're going to live, Franck. You're going to live. For this initial surgery, the first of three over a span of 44 days, Dr. Mamoun literally partially scalps Eric's shaved head, harvesting thin layers of the outer skin and the dermis that lies beneath it, containing blood capillaries, nerve endings, sweat glands and hair follicles. After suturing the wound on the scalp, he then does the same with Eric's left thigh. Everything goes smoothly, taking about two hours. The pain will come later, fiery and sharp, after the anaesthesia wears off. Drugs help cut the edge, but they can't erase it. As Dr. Mimoon finishes up with Eric, other members of the team take the harvested skin, putting much of it through a mesher, a machine that stretches and perforates the skin so that it looks like a fishnet stocking. Now, when the skin is placed on Franck's raw body, the blood can easily flow through. There is a break of four days, and then the twins are wheeled into operating rooms again, this time so Franck can receive skin taken from Eric's back and his other thigh. Afterwards, Clem, Forney and Eric bombard Dr. Mamoun with the question, Is it working? For two weeks, Dr. Mamoun counsels them to be patient. Then, finally, he says, Yes, tentatively. Franck still needs more of Eric's skin, and in the coming months, surgeries on his stiff joints and scars and physiotherapy and counselling to get him through the hell that awaits him when he is woken up. The third surgery takes place on Thursday, November 10, after Eric's scalp has healed sufficiently for Dr. Mamoun to harvest from it again. Although Eric now knows what pain he will have to endure, it still doesn't matter. Now it's not about if Franck wakes up, Eric says, it's when. As he recovers, he visits his twin whenever he can, heavily bandaged and wheeling his IV. Sometimes he plays Franck hip-hop and rock, hoping the songs can pierce his brother's unconscious. Other times, he just talks about their childhood, the sports teams they follow, his own bout with testicular cancer five years earlier when Franck encouraged him. Deeper memories come to the surface too. 
traumatic memories that are part of who they are but rarely spoken of. Two little boys sitting side by side in the front room of their family home in Omeon as their father tells them they have to be strong because their mother has gone to heaven after being in a car accident. They are eight years old. In the following days, they pack their bags and move in with their grandparents in Moray. Papa couldn't raise us as he was working long hours as a restaurant cook, Eric says. Remember, we swore it would always be us, together. After about a month in a coma, Franck is slowly woken up. Disoriented by all the tubes and machines and painkillers, he starts to panic. Kill me, he thinks. Just kill me. He falls back to sleep, dreaming of fire. Later, Franck wakes again. This time he sees a face as familiar as his own hovering above him. Eric. But his brother's head is bandaged and he is wearing a hospital gown. What happened to you? Franck hoarsely asks. It's more what happened to you, Eric replies. I gave you 45% of my skin. Franck begins to cry. You did this for me? It's like you are me, Eric grins. Then he starts to cry too. By mid-December 2016, Eric is back at work, his hair mostly grown back and the new skin on his body a deep red like a rash. In the hospital, from the moment he is woken up, Franck works hard with therapists to bend limbs that have not moved for over a month. At first, each session lasts mere minutes, time enough to feel pain and frustration. Once an athlete, he can't even flex his fingers, but he keeps pushing himself. In February 2017, staff members are conferring outside his room when he appears unannounced in the doorway, thin and wasted but with an air of anticipation about him. Then he begins to walk, grimacing with effort, tiny wobbling steps that signify how far he has come from a man who arrived at the hospital, a blackened husk. He says, surprised you, didn't I? In March, he is moved to a full-time rehabilitation centre in Coubert, about 50 kilometres southeast of Paris. There, for the first time, he looks at himself in a mirror. He sees the gnarled, twisted joints covered in shiny red scar tissue streaked with white, what remains of an ear, and an abdomen, leg and arms that were once muscled but now resemble a patchwork quilt. Depression sets in, bleak and all-encompassing. He does what he can to fight it, and his physio and occupational therapists try to help. But with home more than 180 kilometres away, and with Clem and Eric back at work, sometimes it's easier to just give in. What have I become? What will people think of me? He cries to Eric during a rare weekend visit. Eric makes his voice stern. Stop, he says. Take it one minute at a time. People will think that you're strong and determined. They already think that. So Franck works harder, minute by minute, until one day in September he comes home to Moray, to Clem, Eric, Fawny and his little nephew, Jules, who at nearly two years old is talking and walking. Although still in rehab, by August 2017 he is an outpatient. Each morning, just before nine, an ambulance picks him up and drives him 18 kilometres to a centre in Corby. Each evening around five, picks him up to take him home. At the centre, he does everything from leg presses to badminton and dexterity exercises, and he gets massages in an effort to make his skin more elastic. It's like a nine-to-five job, he jokes to Eric. 
it is your job, comes the common sense reply. Mid-morning on a Saturday, Franck and Clem are busy preparing brunch for Eric and Jules, who will arrive at any moment. Driving his specially adapted car, Franck has already visited the local baker for croissant and pan au chocolat, and there is orange juice, coffee and champagne. This is my new normal, one day at a time, each day marked by many victories, he says. Now I can walk into the boulangerie and not worry about people staring. All of a sudden, the front door bursts open. Jules rushes in and hugs his uncle before going off to the kitchen. Eric comes in after his son, robust and smiling, and sits down beside his brother. Although Franck is much thinner, with a partly drooping eyelid, in a way they are still indistinguishable, twins part of each other now more than ever. In the beginning it was crazy, Eric says. I would sit at your bedside and talk about anything that came to my mind and I played music. I heard it in my coma, Franck exclaims. Then he laughs and rolls up his right sleeve to show the remains of a tattoo on a heavily scarred forearm. In faded black ink, it reads, Life. It's the only tattoo I have left, he says. It has to mean something. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price. Thank you.